You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. It is 12.30 in the morning. Uh, Tyler's had a long day. I've had a long week. The Red Sox just got swept. Uh, Jake, how you feeling right now? Uh, I've been better than this. Yeah, I've been better than this. Uh, I know people tune in for the positive vibes. People tune in for the positivity horn. Uh, I don't know that there. I'm not going to sit here and say that there's nothing to be positive about. I mean, there there are some things that we could hit on that that are positive, but that would be having no feel, which seems to be the theme of the week. Um, I have feel, so mm. I don't think that I can start on a positive note. After the Red Sox get swept, they've now lost four straight. You're in last place, a tie with the Blue Jays. And I saw, I don't even know who it was. It was one of like the big name. I think it might have been Nightingale that was like, oh, the Red Sox lose another back in last place and X amount of games behind the Tampa. I don't give a fuck about how many games behind first place they are. Take it. Have it. That Nobody not- all year has ever had a thought amongst Red Sox fans about no. being in first place. None of the national writers even thought they had a chance at a wild card. No. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? I don't care how many games back of first place they are. Spare uh, me. Spare me. I, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be in last place because last place means you're not in a playoff spot. I would prefer to be somewhere in the mix a little bit higher than that. Which, which is still attainable. I mean, listen, we're not going to sit here and tell you that, uh, oh, man, they lost four straight. The season's over. You just got swept by the Angels. I'm not going to sit here and say that. You don't want to be in last place, but don't fucking talk to me about first place. No one gives a fuck about first place. It was never supposed to be a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Oh, you're the Red Sox. Shouldn't you be you know, trying to win the division? No, no, not this year. And, and we all know that. There's no one sitting here being, oh, yeah, fucking, they got to win the aliens. No, spare me. Absolutely spare me. <laughs> uh, but I do think <clears throat> that it's, it's uh, in the interest of fairness, we do have to start on somewhat of a negative note here because uh, the offense has been the one thing that we haven't complained about at all because there was nothing to complain about. Now, uh, that has changed in the last four games going back to that series finale against the San Diego Padres where like, yeah, you scrapped across a run in the ninth and you had the Connor Wong home run. This was a, just a feeble, what they hit 154 in the series. Yep. Something like 154 that. right on the dot. 154 against the angels in this series. And I think what the most frustrating part about the whole series has been, uh, obviously you look at the 154, but you look at the first two games of the series where Bayo pitches well. Uh, who the fuck pitched the opener? Was it Stan Tanner Houck? Tanner Houck. Yes. Duh. Uh, <laughs> Sent Corey Kluber into oblivion. Yeah. Straight. Straight to oblivion. Uh, you get. 
which by the way, congratulations to Tanner Hawk. I know that I said I wasn't going to start on a uh, positive note, but how do we not talk about fucking Tanner Hawk pitching his balls off and getting himself a rotation spot and sparing us from uh, the, I guess, I don't want to call it horrible pitching. Oh, no, no, no. It's worse than horrible. Don't don't sugarcoat it, Jared. Don't be nice. Arguably the worst starting pitching I think I've ever seen. I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I'm not trying to be mean. Like when you have a six ERA and the FIPS even worse than what your ERA is, you have to try to be that bad. It's bad. Um, We're watching a guy who's no longer a major league pitcher attempt to pitch. Here's Alex Cora on Gresham Fourier today. You know, you, you, uh, Pavetta went to the pen. You're still going with a six man rotation. Like, what is what does Kluber need to do just just to stay in the rotation? Is that like a a conversation that you have with him? Like like a, a big boy conversation? No, nah, we were waiting for Tanner to see how he felt uh, after his start, and uh, we're gonna make a change. Uh, actually, Tanner is gonna start on Sunday, and Corey is going to open uh, starting on Friday. You know, we had that conversation. With Corey and very professional, he understands, you know, like he signed here to be a starter, but right now he's struggling. And, you know, obviously the kids are throwing the ball well. There's a lot of off days coming up. So um, we decided to to make the change. You know, we were just waiting for Tanner to see how he felt after his start. Right. And that's the most important thing. Sometimes people forget that um, coming into the season, there was a, a lot of red, red flags. Right. Tanner back surgery, Whitlock hip surgery, Sale, Paxson with their troubles injury-wise the last uh, few years. So we take it day by day and we make decisions and that's what we're going to do. So there's a couple things to unpack here. First and foremost, right on the surface, you have Corey Kluber going to the bullpen. Tanner Houck is staying in the rotation. I think the big thing for me is that they made this decision before Corey Kluber's scheduled start this weekend. They pulled an opposite of the Pavetta situation where we knew when Pavetta went out against Seattle, he was a dead man walking already. Yep. There's actually a sense of urgency. That last start that Nick Pavetta had in the rotation, we knew prior to that, that this was his last start. He was going to the bullpen after that. We were told Corey Kluber, he's he's not guaranteed anything after that, but he's going to get another start. It's going to be this weekend. And then boom, Tanner Houck goes out there in the series opener against the Angels. He pitches his balls off and the Red Sox are like, you know what? You're going to stay and Kluber is going to go. And my first takeaway outside of that, uh, there, there were a couple. I had a couple takes. First take. This is a move that a team that is trying to make the postseason makes. We're not going to just like sit around and wait to see what we got. We're like, this guy is better than this guy. So this guy is going to stay in the rotation and this guy is going to be out of the rotation. If if you're a team that's kind of just like, yeah, you know, we're, we're moving species around. We're going to figure it out. And like, it is what it is. And we'll let the pieces fall where they lie. That's not a team that's saying, hey, we want to make it to the fucking playoffs this year. Like we want to make it to the postseason in October. The Red Sox making this decision uh, like a promptly is something that says to me that they're they're trying, which is nice. That's that's refreshing. Like you should read between the lines on that that they're actually making an effort. The other thing, when you look at a decision like this, and we've kind of, I think we discussed this on the last episode about Corey Kluber on what to do with this guy, 
we were saying DFA. Can you can you designate him for assignment? Can you just get him out of here? And then we ultimately arrived on what? Phantom IL stint. Go take your time down to Fort Myers because his after his recent start, his last start, he stood in front of his locker and he told you kind of what Sale told you prior to the Minnesota Twins outing where he punched out whatever it was, 11. Um, and he said, if I knew how to fix it, I would fix it. Well, is it just one thing? Well, no, it's kind of multiple things. If if you're that fucked up, then Phantom IL this guy, put him down in Fort Myers. Like, oh, yeah, no, he, he had this uh, shoulder thing. Like, is there anyone that's like, Walking around the facility in Fort Myers being like, wait, he, he said he had a shoulder issue, but I see him throwing today. Like no one's down there investigating that shit. Just fucking say he's got a shoulder issue. Have him work on whatever he's going to work on down there. Figure it out. And then you can come back. And if you're throwing the ball well, then fine. Then then now that's a good problem to have. Now you it's, it's now we're back in the same boat of too many starters, not enough spots. But putting Corey Kluber in the bullpen what good does that do? Like, I don't, I don't think that that's a solution to the problem. Is Corey Kluber going to get right out of the bullpen? No. Like, is there a chance that he never gets right again? Yes. That's very realistic at this point in his career. You look at the baseball savant page, it's ice cold, but there's at least a chance if he just goes on the injured list, goes down to Fort Myers and spends the next month trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with him. There's a chance he comes back a new man. But now you have him sit out there picking splinters out of his ass in the bullpen. The only time he's going to see the mound is in a game like tonight. If he if he was on uh, a normal rest to to come out and pitch again, obviously, he's not going to pitch after making a start a few days ago tonight. But seven two ball game that when Kenley's out there working on shit, that's a Corey Kluber spot. Is there value in having a guy on your roster that's only going to pitch when you're down seven to two in the eighth inning? No, I just I don't get it. I, maybe that's coming. Maybe they're just like trying to figure out like what it is that you need right now. But I think the way they look at it with this entire situation is if John Schreiber is probably healthy, he's probably gone. I think that's the reality of the situation. I think if you look at AAA right now, and unfortunately, Brian Mata getting hurt, Brandon Walter taking a step back, Chris Murphy taking multiple steps back. There's really no depth at AAA they can go to if someone gets hurt in the rotation. I think they're really scared that if someone goes down, what are we going to do to eat innings here? Because we can't afford to pull a Cutter Crawford out of the rotation at this point or out of the bullpen at this point because that guy's pitching massive innings for you. Josh Winkowski never going back to the bullpen or to the rotation. He's a reliever at this point. You look at a Nick Pavetta. You know, they need him in the bullpen, realistically. Like, he's a key part of this bullpen now, for better or for worse, however you feel about it. Corey Kluber is kind of that guy. If something goes wrong, can you step in here and just eat those innings? Because they really don't have anyone to go to without hurting other parts of the pitching staff. So I think they're just, they're nervous. Now, if you get John Schreiber back, that changes everything. Then you can go and say, well, all right, you know, if someone gets hurt, we can pull Cutter and put him in there or do the same with Pavetta. I think they're trying to match somewhere in the middle. Now, Kluber, it's like, well, what is that depth really worth if he can't give you anything, if he's just going to go out there and get rocked? Sure. Like, that's a fair conversation and not one I disagree with. But I think that's where the Red Sox are coming from here. They're worried that if someone goes down, they don't want to have to take significantly from those later innings because they're going to need those arms to get through right now, at least with John Schreiber out of the picture. It's not a great place to be, but it sucks. And I had much higher hopes for Joey Rodriguez. Uh, I know it's a very small sample, but he has not looked great since uh, joining the bullpen. Uh, You're kind of you find yourself looking for a lefty to step up. I mean, it's. 
it's a wide open role on this team. Is there one lefty that you can depend on? And between Jolie and the fucking substitute teacher and Bernardino, it's like no one wants to take the reins and be like, hey, I'm the guy. Like when you need a lefty, dial me up. I'm your guy. No one has has taken on that role. Uh, but either way, Corey Kluber to the bullpen. Uh, Jake, were you surprised by that when you heard the news? Yeah, I kind of thought it was going to be like what we talked about, a phantom IL or a, uh, just a DFA. But I mean, I do like it because it means we're trying and we want to make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I was surprised they did it this early. Yeah, it, I was surprised that he at least didn't make the start this weekend. I think the way they look at it is it's just you can't send that message to the team anymore. Like it's an impossible message to send because not only is it hurting you in the present, it's hurting you in the future. How are you going to prioritize this cooked up pitcher, this shell shocked pitcher who legit is scared to throw the ball in the strike zone? It's not that he can't throw strikes. He's scared to because he knows if it's not a perfect pitch, it's going friggin' 500 feet every single time. Like that's the reality of the situation with him here. How can you justify a move that's going to help you in the moment and moving forward? It, like it's that simple. And I think anyone with basic knowledge can put two and two together. What Tanner Houck did in that first game. It was like he took the blueprint of what the Red Sox have given him and he was able to kind of finally put it together again. Really the best since that start against the twins. The splitter. That's the pitch he's been working on for multiple years. So he can go through a lineup multiple times and get lefties out. He got six swings and misses. It was his second most used pitch. The third pitch he used the most. It was the cutter. The pitch he implemented this year. So like Tanner Houck's out there showing you look. I'm making it happen with what you guys have wanted me to work on and say what you will 499 ERA. Alex core told you he's much better than that 499 ERA because that substitute teacher, Dick Blyer has gone out there and given up blast every single time he's come in for help this year. The FIPS 384. That feels like what Tanner Houck's been this year for you. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I find it interesting that Cora made that point to say Kluber was healthy after the San Diego start because what they just did for Richard Blyer, they phantom ILed him his shoulder has been bothering him since mid April. And you're telling me that's the guy you've had to go out there and eat shit multiple times. Like <laughs> yeah. it doesn't even make sense. You've had him eat shit. Like you did Brazier throwing 40 pitches just to get you through a game. Mm. I'm sure if he had a shoulder problem, you would not be doing that to him. No, but he's been getting hit by lefties. The one thing he's here to do. So now you have to play this game. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't think Kluber, if they get in a crunch here, I think there's a chance he could get the boot or if someone steps up unsurprised or, you know, surprisingly. Um, I like how Justin Garza's looked low key uh, since he's come up here. I don't know if he'll ever be that kind of leverage arm, but a name to kind of keep an eye on. Outside of that, though, like who's going to be in that mix if you get someone who emerges and changes that seventh inning conversation? I, I think Brian Mata would be that name, even though he's hurt right now, if he was healthy. With his struggles in the rotation, I would hope maybe someone like him got an opportunity. That that series feels it it feels like it got away from the Red Sox really quick. Because when you're watching that series opener, you're feeling really good because of Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck goes out there, six innings, three hits, one earned, couple walks, eight strikeouts, did not allow a home run, which has been somewhat of an issue for him. Uh, not every start, but some starts. Cutter Crawford comes out, two innings, two hits, gives up the homer, but he punches out three. That homer to, what was it? Was that the Mickey Moniak homer? Yeah, in the eighth inning. So Mickey Moniak takes Cutter Crawford deep 
And you're sitting there thinking like, all right, whatever. Like guy's hot. He's, he, he's played what? 10, 11 games. And he's been hitting almost 500 since he got called up. You got beat by a dude that's on fire right now. I'm not worried about Cutter Crawford. It was a no. great start from Tanner Houck. You sit there and you're like, well, kind of how we opened the show. We're not going to pick a fight with, with the Red Sox offense. They've been great all year. They've been one of the best offenses in baseball. Every offense is going to have an off night, right? So you, that you chalk it up to that's baseball. Some nights you're going to score nine. Some nights you're going to score two. Just just hope that you, you uh, or one in this case, you turn the page, you feel good about the Hawks start, you move on. Then the next night, you get Brian Bayo out there. And that was the first time, I believe, in his career that he's gone seven. Correct. Seven innings, six hits, two earned, no walks, which you'll love. Six strikeouts, but the two earned runs were two homers. And I was I tweeted something like, I was like, yeah, you know, you know, two homers, but they're both solo shots. Like those aren't going to kill you. Seven innings, two earned runs, whatever. Two homers, fuck it. Um, where this game got away from you, where the aforementioned Jolie Rodriguez goes out there, gives up uh, a bomb, two earned runs, and gives up three hits, walks a guy, only records one out for you. That was a killer. So you get a great start from Bayo. You get a great start from Hauk, and then you look at the Red Sox offense, and you're like, hey, you guys feel like scoring a singular fucking run tonight? No? All right. That's another L. So there, there's, like, you get swept, but there's definitely, it's, it, what was the series? Um, oh, the Cardinals. It was the same thing as the fucking Cardinals series. Two games you, you should have won. Yeah. You get two great starts. You lose both games. It was Paxton and Sale. It was, it was the back-to-back Kenley blown saves. Like, that's a series the Red Sox should have taken two out of three. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Red Sox should have taken two out of three from the Angels. Like, you're going to highlight the good starts, but you can't just pencil the, the Red Sox offense in for six, seven, eight runs a night. Like, that's just, it's not realistic. Like, you're going to get those nights where you, you, you score one run or two runs, whatever. But to hit 154 for the whole series, can't happen and it just adds to the pile of you as you cannot as a team afford to play baseball this way you do not have a great starting rotation like where it's like the Mets with Jacob deGrom like he'd go out there and deal but the Mets would score one one run and you lose the game but you're still going to make the playoffs because you're still a good team the Red Sox they need to score five, six runs every single fucking night because the starting pitching has been so bad. So when you get those great starts from a Chris Sale, a James Paxton, a Tanner Houck, a Brian Bale, those are four different starters that gave you good to great outings and you lost all four of them. So, and for different reasons. Again, like we go back to the St. Louis series, those were two blown saves for Kenley. This is just the, the Red Sox offense doing jack shit uh, for for those two, the Hauk and Bayo starts. So I'm not again. I I know that how baseball works. Every time your team loses, you need a scapegoat. You need a play to blame it on. You need the manager to blame it on. You need a player that didn't make this play or this guy that struck out in this spot. You just got beat. Like you just got beat in this series. And I don't I, I put a lot of the, the lineup. It was pathetic. This series. Uh, I'm I, saying that, though, like the, the offense is the reason to blame. But like, yeah. we're not going to sit here 
and say that the offense is a problem. Like when, no, when you got they, bad starting lately, pitching in April, you could sit there and say, ah, eh, the rotation's kind of a problem. You have a, a fucking cold series against the Angels offensively. Or we're not going to sit here and have a conversation that the offense is somehow a problem now. I do think there's some concerns there that are fair to start to wonder and, you know, kind of check in Alex Verdugo not playing today. Uh, I thought was pretty interesting with the day off ahead. Someone who's been banged up recently and really has been cold for about a month now. I think he's hitting 240 in his last 30 days. Jaron Duran, 0 for 19, hitting under 200 over his last 15 games. Uh, kind of really sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. Duran has not looked comfortable at the plate recently. That's scary, right? Like that. that's something you can't really afford. Connor Wong, nice to see a homer tonight. He's cooled off pretty significantly back there as well. Um, Kike, you know, he is what he is at this point. You're not expecting really any offensive production. Devers needs to be better. Like the OBP being under 300 is just not ideal. You need to give me a little bit more here. You're the anchor of this lineup. And I think in games like this, where you do get that that pitching, the lineup needs to show up and you're not asking the world of them, but at least give me, you know, and core called them out after the game. Show me at least the plate approach that I've seen from you throughout this season so far. Don't go up there. You don't walk a single time. Not one time in that first game. This Red Sox lineup that is you know, abuse pitchers this year, kicking pitchers like Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa out before five innings. They were just torturing these guys. No easy at bats. This series screamed 2022 Red Sox in every way. You're giving me weak ass grounders, you know, 187 expected batting average in that second game. You're not squaring up a bunch of baseballs. You're just making weak contact and you let Griffin Cannon go seven innings against you. That's a guy at the very least. Get him out early. He's not a super efficient pitcher or anything like that. Like you had the right matchups in this series. You didn't have to go up against a Shohei Otani or anything like that. The first game was a friggin' bullpen game. And you let there and, and you let Berea go out there and throw five innings against you in a bullpen game. Like those are the t- these are the games you need to kind of step up in the offense. Give me something. I, I thought the bats in this series, they were just poor. And it kind of carried on from that second game in San Diego where they went cold early and it was kind of done after that. They were fortunate to have really great pitching and win that second game, but the bats just need to be better. Uh, and I think there are so, there's a number of guys going cold right now. It's like, all right, well, is Duran, you know, you're really not expecting another 400 stretch out of him, right? Like you're hoping he kind of just levels out here and kind of finds it. Verdugo, hopefully he's healthy. If, if he's not healthy, right, then you're talking about a guy who we've seen when he's been banged up. He's scuffled. And, and I thought that off day today was... I don't know. Surprising. It, it kind of caught me off guard when he there was just a recent off day. You know what I mean? So you're giving this guy another breather after he kind of dealt with some groin tightness. Dude, Sari's like screaming. You hear that? What is that? What's that all about? That's creepy as hell. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this series is on the offense. Uh, ultimately, you just got to be better than what it was in, in a series against a team like the Angels. They didn't throw anything at you that was hard here. You didn't go get beat up by ace level pitchers. It was none of that. It was a lot of poor at bats. It was weak contact. Um, got to be better. You just got to be better. There's not much more to it. No, there's not. Um, the one thing that I noticed with Duran is getting overmatched by fastballs. And I looked it up, and the numbers kind of support that. Uh, this does not include tonight, so I don't know. I, I, it definitely he didn't have a hit tonight, correct? Nope. So on fastballs ninety six and up, 
This is including all year. So like when he was red hot in April to whatever, a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, he's hitting 200 with a 573 OPS. If you throw him a fastball 96 or higher. And that's really was one of the things why he had to change his stance initially. And we saw some success, but now it's like, all right, well, is it somewhat similar to what happened a year ago? Like it, it was longer the success this time, but is he going to struggle to make the adjustment in season? Is he going to be able to make that? And, you know, I, I think he will be able to, but it's just, you know, we're looking at a Red Sox offense. They entered today fourth and runs scored ninth and weighted runs created plus, you know, I, I think we'd all say this offense was overshooting a little bit, right? Like it felt like everything was going right for them. They had everyone breaking out. You know, you have Emmanuel Valdez going off, like everything's kind of breaking your way. Well, there's definitely going to be a little regression there. I think you're going to get that back with the rotation. So you should be in good shape. I think the rotation is going to be pretty good from this point forward. But yeah, the, the lineup, you just need to be better. You need to at least stick to what you've been doing all year long. But I'm not expecting them to not be able to hit anymore. It's just these are the things you kind of look at when you talk about these teams that are in that 81 to 85 range. Can you ever fire on all cylinders? Can you get to the point where you're pitching well, you're hitting well? Because the one thing you can say about the 2023 Red Sox right now, they've been swept four times now, twice on the road, twice at home. They're a hot and cold team. And when they are cold, there are weeks where you watch like we just did and you're like, holy fuck, man. But then there's other weeks where we sit and we're like, look at this fucking team. I think that's just the theme of this Red Sox. Like, that's what we're going to kind of have to accept where some weeks we're going to come in all friggin' hyped up and ready to go. And then there's nights like tonight where you're like, just, you know, feeble performance, feeble offense did yeah. not give you what it needed to. Yeah. Just what terrible timing, like a West Coast midweek series. And it's fucking one o'clock in the morning. And it's like, yeah, they just fucking got swept. They lost four straight. And like, here's what's wrong with them and all that shit. I think I, I think I need a little bit of a pick me up. Tyler. OK, what do you got? I think I want to talk about. Blue. OK, well, pick up for you. Maybe not for me, but for you. Did you. Did you hear the ad read last week? Uh, no, I did not. What, what oh, was you it? didn't? No. Oh. Usually someone tweets it at me. Oh, oh it was a good one. <laughs> What'd you say, Jake? <laughs> Nothing. He just, he just, uh, it was a good ad read by Jake. Fuck off. Why? I mean, it, I think I, if I were you, I would go back and listen to that one. I'll do that right after this. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> Jake, would you say that that was probably one of your, I would say top three, maybe even top two Blue Moon ad reads that you've done? Yeah, I got it at least top three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top that. Um, but you know what? If anyone can do it, it's Jake. So without further ado, Jake, tell us about Blue Moon. Some beers can say they're brewed for baseball, but only Blue Moon is brewed by baseball. Beer and baseball just go together, and no beer goes better than the one that was literally born in a ballpark. Blue Moon was created at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. It's the natural choice for opening day and all season long. You know, the day Bullet died, I thought to myself, man, I wish I was old enough to have a Blue Moon right now. And look, there's some people that are saying that the Bullet jokes are being run into the ground just like Bullet was. Shout out Section 10 Reddit for that one. But I don't look at it that way. I think the fact that we're still talking about a dog 20 years later from 2003 is pretty spectacular. And it just goes to show how much of an impact Bullet really had on the world for those nine short months before Tyler brutally murdered him. Bullet, this blue moon is for you. 
With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you with Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale. It's one-of-a-kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for beer and baseball merch, or visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared. Blue Moon. Made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Thank you, Jake. Good job. <laughs> Can I mention something that might be good for the offense? And sure. I think now this conversation becomes even more interesting. <laughs> I had it with Maz we're today. Not, we're not facing Zach Allen in the series. Uh, that that is a win. But mm-hmm. you know, two weeks from now, you get Adam Duvall back. Right. So like there, there's the start of more coming, maybe something that can kind of spark this lineup a little bit here. Yeah. Um, now it's like finding a role for him. But, you know, you kind of got to hold for a couple more weeks here and then you're going to start to get stuff. It's like Duvall in June, hopefully story in July. What do you um, do with Duvall? It's a hard conversation. It really, it comes down to, you know, if Jaron Duran figures it out and you know starts just being even just like a 260 guy. You're, he needs to play center field every day, or at least a majority of the time, because that's someone you're planning your future around. He becomes part consider, of the foundation. Do you consider DHing Yoshida and putting Duvall in left? Um, sure. And then what are you going to put Justin Turner at first base? Because uh, then, like, then you have to make a decision on Casas, and it's like Casas is another a, one who got off, off to a hot discussion. start this month. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Casas separately because the. Red Sox Twitter was was ablaze with Casas hot takes uh, this week. Nothing's funnier than the people who think Bobby Delvick's better than him. I, I, I think that is one of the funniest things. And if I see that on Twitter, I immediately like have to close out the app every time I see it. <laughs> that is like all I can't even comprehend that thought. The Casas discussion is separate. I'm asking you, what do you do with Adam Duvall when he comes back? And this in talking about like a peaks and valleys type season, uh, it's also been a season of things just falling into place. You lose Adam Duvall, but here comes Jaron Duran and he emerges. What if Jaron Duran is just on this absolute cold streak when Adam Duvall is ready to come back and then you just slide Duvall right back in that spot? I'm not advocating for that. I, I obviously want Jaron Duran to, to thrive at the big league level, but He's a guy that's cooled off and you've got to figure it out. Is is that a waste of whatever you're like you're giving a hundred million dollars to Yoshida to DH? Like that doesn't I think he's not. your DH starting next year full time. You think so? hundred percent. I don't think Justin Turner will be here a year from now. And I assume at that point Yoshida will most likely move to left field. Or to DH, excuse me. Okay. So maybe that's your solution. You DH Yoshida. You have Duvall on left, Duran in center, Verdugo on right. And I feel like that's 
that's somewhat of a solution. It, it is, but then I look at someone like Justin Turner, who's 38 years old. He's dealing with knee soreness already. Hasn't, you know, at first base, it looks good at some points. The picking is not great, um, which worries me. Do you want that guy out there every day? Do you think he can, his body will be able to handle it over the course well, of, you know, three months? Out there every day. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say every day. I think Tristan Costa is there every day. Tristan Costa is getting the bats against righties. I'm not saying he's been at first, but Justin Turner's played in every game. So sure, far. but it's a big difference between being a DH and then going to have to play first base every single night. I agree. Um, I agree. And, and that's where I get a little worried. And I think then you find you walk this point back with the Red Sox. Like Steve, Steve Peralta's calling me right now. Should I answer it on the show? Fuck no. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, hello, Steve. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I don't know why it's. Uh, why is that doing that? Uh, all right, now okay, now you're good. Go ahead. Yo, what's up? How you doing? Good, 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 good. Um, what's going on? As you might imagine, uh, you're on the podcast again, and I'm on your podcast. No, 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 this is weird. No, 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 no. You're on my weird as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, is this wait? Is this like a? Oh my god, this is a. What's the word for this? Uh, Inception. Quad reception. Is, is this podcast inception right now? Yeah, no, you're on you're on name redacted right now. Re- okay, all right. So this is like a this is a pot off right now, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, but we wanted to ask about you and Strom. Who? You and Strom Boley. I uh, just wanted to just wanted to your thoughts on on how that all went and uh, you know where you're at with that right now. Um, I I think that the general consensus both if you're not like a fit like obviously Phillies fans had his back and their top pitching prospect had his back but like every text message that I got from an active big league baseball player was like what the fuck or, can you swear on ITM I'm sorry oh, you can't you can't yes you can't yep <laughs> There's significantly um, less swears than the uh, the former show, but yes, you okay. can't swear in here. Okay, uh, yeah, a bunch of big league players are like, "What the fuck is this guy doing? Like, why, like, why pick this battle? It seems like a weird hill to die on." That was the general consensus, and I agree because obviously, uh, if I put out a tongue in cheek joke video, and then you respond to it seriously then you've kind of already lost without me having to respond, which I did. Obviously, you can't just like pick a fight with. That's why I was so confused why people were coming at me. I was like, this dude came at me and I just responded. I didn't I didn't like, oh, yeah, you think you can just talk shit about athletes and they're not going to care. Like, bro, no one said anything about Matt Strom. Nobody. No one said anything about Matt Strom. (laughs) No one said anything about this pitching prospect. I didn't like all due respect to him. He's the top pitching prospect in baseball, I believe. But I didn't know his name until he tweeted me. So I, it just felt like all I did was love Caleb Ort, which, you know, hashtag support, yeah. which is now hashtag yeah. fuck you. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Caleb Ort. Uh, so That's what the hashtag is now. Yeah, hashtag fuck you. And I, <laughs> I feel like I handled it with class. And I just I don't know. It, it was a weird it was a weird move. But like I tweeted out the video that he hit the ho- that he got a home run hit off of him. And then he tweeted me and he said, I got got. And I just said, truce. And I, hopefully we can all move on now. But it was just it was a weird battle to pick. And I I still don't quite understand it. 
here's where I'm stuck with the Strom stuff. He wasn't like this at all last year, right? Did I admit he was just the card guy and like that was, oh, he likes cards and he's in the league and he loves cards. I don't remember Strom being the nitpick guy where like he feels the need to jump in on everything and have the worst take on every. It's like universally terrible. If Strom jumps in, it's like, here comes what no one's saying, <laughs> but he's pissed off about it. So he's going to say it. Yeah. That's why when you're doing the or thing, which I thought I, the whole the whole way, I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. And the video is funny for him to jump in on an obvious, it's an obvious joke. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an obvious joke to be like, this guy completely, I mean, I, I think or does suck. Like, does I, he suck. really is terrible. So, but that's the thing. It's like, Strom, a pitcher can suck in the realm of like being in the major league. Yeah, you're like, obviously, dude, he's not terrible at baseball if he makes it to major league baseball. Correct. But to pick that made no sense. Why is he, it's, it's, you didn't tag him. There was no, like, this wasn't about him. I just don't no. understand that part of it. it what a, again, what a weird hill to die on where you know what, like, it, that's the other thing, too, is you know what I meant and you're arguing against something that I didn't even say. Like any player, like Pat Light made it to the big leagues. He sucks. Like you can, <laughs> like you suck compared to other big leaguers. Like if it's all the scale, it's the scale. Like, yeah. yeah, he's better than minor leaguers. And Pat maybe wasn't, but yeah, most people. Like if, if, like if you made it to the big leagues, obviously you don't suck at baseball compared to the general public walking around this earth. But if yeah. you play Major League Baseball, Compared to other players that play Major League Baseball, you can suck. Like, and, and by the way, you also pitch in Philadelphia. They are the fucking meanest, rudest, crudest fans in professional sports. And you're getting offended over me saying a guy sucks? They booed Santa Claus. They threw batteries at J.D. Drew. Like, toughen up, Buttercup. If you're upset, about me saying a guy sucks when he's got like a 3000 ERA, you're in the wrong <laughs> business. And then, and, then and, and he put it on a tee for me by being like, if he's, if you're in the major leagues, then there's no way you suck. And I was like, well, he's in triple a, he's not even, he's not even <laughs> in the big leagues. What are you talking about, dude? But I, I, I sent them like when he said, I got, got, I responded. I said, truce, whatever. I was like, I just, it's a headache to me. I don't, like that's the irony of the whole situation is that everyone was shitting on Caleb Ort, and I was like, I don't want to shit on this player. I just want to fucking be positive. So I said nice things about the guy. That's what started the whole thing. It was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. It was like fucking uh when when uh Roger Clemens threw at Manny's head, but it was like six feet over his head. He was just like looking for a reason to go out there. Like that was Matt Strom. I was like, buddy, I didn't. Like, this is the most obvious looking for a reason to charge them out in the history of, of uh, Twitter. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it. And honestly, I would assume this stems from something else. Have you guys had back and forth no. before that I haven't? No. He, so, like, when he pitched for the Red Sox, uh, I never tweeted about him because he's buddies with Dallas. So oh. if he had a bad outing, I never tweeted about it. Like, I just ignored him. I didn't say anything about him. And... I would be in the dugout and I said this before, like we went on the air. I was like explaining it to Tyler and Jake. I was like, I would be sitting in the dugout and he would just walk by. Like we never made eye contact. He never said hi. 
He never looked at me. I never had the opportunity to like introduce myself or nothing. Like not that he like owes me a conversation. Like I get that part. But like guys now, like they'll at least look at you. Like everyone on the team has at least made eye contact with me at one point. He just fucking would like walk right by. And I'm like, all right, fine. Like if, you know, I don't know what your deal is, but like, I don't need new friends. We're all good here. And he followed me first. He followed me on Twitter during the World Baseball Classic. So I followed him back as like, oh, all right. You want to be friends? Let's be friends. And then this, I put out the fucking Caleb Ort video. And who's chirping me? But Matt Strom. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I immediately checked his profile after he tweeted me. He unfollowed me immediately after after tweeting me. So I was like, all right, like this dude's clearly bought her and we're going to go this route because you can't like if he had DM'd me, we could have had a conversation about it. We probably could have had a simple yeah. resolution to it. But if you call me out publicly, then now I have to respond publicly. And if you throw a slap, now I have to throw a haymaker like there. It has to be a one up. So I don't know. Situation could have been avoided. I, I hate that it happened at all. I didn't want it to happen. And uh, again, the irony is that I this all started because I was trying to be nice to a player that everyone was being mean to. The funny thing is that I know you're an all-time grudge guy. Yeah. And so now where does Strong rank on the list? Uh, not, like currently, if it were power ranking. Not very high. I mean... Really? Yeah, it's it's already over. Like, I mean, he... His, his like, jabs at me, he told me to kick rocks. <laughs> like... <laughs> like I mean, I've had way worse things. Dude, he got he got you bad. I'm not gonna lie. That yeah, landed. yeah. He toasted my ass on that one. I've but <laughs> I've just had way worse things said to and about me, where I think Kick Rocks just didn't really hurt as much to like have him <laughs> on the very high on the list of like grudges. Kick Rocks, bro, man. Kick Rocks. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Yeah. What was, what was that? Joey's got them. What's Joey, up, Joe? What's up, Joe? Yeah. Say yeah. hey, Joe. Joe. I can't. Oh, hear. yeah, that's true. Joey, Joey brings a good point here. It's funny that Matt Strong thinks that he's like the voice of the players. Yeah. And he's like, no, guys, like, I got this. Like, what? No one in the league is going to be like, you represent us. Not no. a single person is going to do that. But he's taking this torch that no one handed to him. And I just. It sucks. Isn't he kind of before that bomb? Isn't he pitching well too? I pr- pitching I pr- well? He's pitching well. I probably have more friends on the Phillies than he does, which is the ironic <laughs> part about that as well. Uh, but again, I I'm not like I have been very careful this year to avoid things like that. Like I haven't even talked shit about Garrett Cole this year. I've been sucking Aaron Judge's balls all season. Like I've just literally, 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 and I. I feel like no matter what, I don't know for wh- why I attract controversy in the baseball Twitter space. I can't avoid it. And it's it's almost like Final Destination. When you try to avoid it, it just finds you anyway. And that's what mm-hmm. happened there. Like I went to the <laughs> polar opposite end of the spectrum and was like, you know what? Everyone is saying mean shit to Caleb Ort. Let me just be over the top nice about the guy. And it did not work. Final destination, it will find you. It will find you and it will kill you. And I, I feel like I, it didn't kill me. Like the worst part about the whole thing was that the Phillies top pitching prospect called me a scumbag. <laughs> I was like, bro, all I did was tweet a video that said, hate to see it. If you can't handle that, 
I don't think Philadelphia is for you. You better call your agent right now and request a trade. Yeah, that's that's like a heel move, like Triple H or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was surprising to me. Again, I I wish none of it happened. There, there's obviously like the Pablo Sandoval beef that that was like a big launching point in my career. Like having having that beef with Pablo Sandoval and the way that it played out. Like no one was on his side, so it was a huge boost for me. Like this beef with Strom in the pitching prospect and fucking Caleb Ward, like this does nothing for me. It just kind of like makes people angry, and like I don't I don't want any part of it. Yeah, that's fair. All right, yeah, that was a really good take on it. We wanted your side of the story there. I know we saw most of it on Twitter, but um, yeah, we hate Strom, so it was it was fun to watch that back and forth. I just wanted on the record. I don't hate the guy. I just I thought it was a weird battle to pick, and I feel like after receiving text messages from several players that are in the league right now, the guys that he was trying to defend, not one of them took his side. They were all just like, "That was weird." What is he thinking? Why did he do that? Which is how I feel about it. And it is what it is. It's uh, water under the bridge, as they say, Steve. All right. Uh, take care, Jerry. We'll, we'll see you soon. Any, uh, do, do you have a pick for a series MVP for the Sox? Yeah, dude. Um, we're going Hauk. Hauk. Going yeah, Hauk. okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Tanner Hauk. <laughs> Fucking Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. Tanner Houks, it's the only vote. It's just Steve this week. Steve says Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. Tanner Houks. Thanks, Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break and talk about Zinn Nicotine Pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn Nicotine Pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve lasting chains, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? No, it, I, I, I do think you owe me an apology. For what? I just, I, I just want to put that out there. For what? Just how all this has played out in the coming months. As someone who tried to, you know, guide you and be in your... Know, try to tell you ahead of time. I'm kind of that friend that like you started hanging around and associating yourself with the bad kids. I saw, I saw you smoking cigarettes in the alley supporting yeah. Caleb Ort. I know you're better than that. You know where I'm coming from though, Tyler? I, I, no, I think it came from a good place. Like it, and just it like the kid in the came from a good place, but and, like the kid in the alley, I, I understand like you're trying to do a good thing, but that's not a good thing. Jared. That's not you. We, we don't so, quadruple a relievers that who would block you that quickly. He soft as, as fuck. Hasn't given up a run in AAA yet. Good for him. Also, because uh, 
we ha- had this discussion. Obviously, uh, we've had like 30 episodes of Baseball is Dead since this happened, and we haven't had one of Name Redacted, which which sucks because it's obviously more of a Name Redacted storyline. Uh, Dallas was saying it's almost worse to like mockingly support a guy than to just actually crush him. And the comparison that I've been using all along is if you're a parent and you have a child that sucks at a sport, but you still cheer them on, are you mockingly cheering them? No, it's unconditional support. You're just like, that's my kid. Yeah, he's 0 for 55 this season with playing right field. Yeah, like he sucks. He's not good at this, but he loves it. He loves the game. And I'm going to sit out here in the rain and the cold and I'm going to say, go, Timmy, go, Timmy. That was me with Caleb Ort. There was nothing fake. Like I wasn't like rooting for Caleb Ort while secretly hoping that he failed. Like that wasn't that wasn't it at all. No, I was rooting for Caleb Ort knowing that he's probably like there's a very good chance that he doesn't do well. That 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 part's true. But I chose positivity over saying mean and hurtful things about the player that if you're bad. You don't need someone else to tell you that you're bad. You know you're bad. Like, no one is going out there rocking a 70 RA and being like, eh, but, you know, I feel like I'm making strides. Like, no. Like, you know that you're, it's going bad. You don't need to hear it from people like me. So I chose the route of, all right, I'm just going to positive reinforcement. And somehow, some way, that upset Matt Straub. Uh, I think what sits weird with me is like, Part of the whole thing was, well, he's a super likable guy. All his teammates, like we remember the grill master shit, like all that hanging with Whitlock and Houck and, you know, down in spring training, he was really kind of hanging with the crew. I think that was some of the stuff you were like, all right, well, this guy, he's a good dude. He clearly blows. He's not very good. Like, let's kind of support him. We're going to make you someone who has a connection to Red Sox fans, right? right. Like, we're, we're not sitting here. I, I was shitting all over him because he's awful. But you were like, let me. You know, when did Caleb Ort ever get that kind of support in his entire life? Like, I, not not to be mean, not even from his parents. Like, there no. were legit people every single time, whether, you know, it was a little bit of a bit. Don't get me wrong. But they were like, hey, man, I want to see this guy do good because it's funny because, uh, you know, he seems to get along with Whitlock and how we saw the spring training shit. I don't know. It didn't come from a bad place. I can understand, like, oh, is it patronizing or whatever? Like, this isn't charity. Sure. Right. Like, like you could go that route, but we're an entertainment podcast. Like we're not a fucking journalistic. We're not. Uh, what is it? NPR. We're not NPR for Red Sox baseball. We are an entertainment show. And I chose the route of what I perceived as a funny bit that Caleb Ward did not think was funny. And that's fine. That's his prerogative. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Caleb, you motherfucker. That was funny. Laugh at it. It was funny. If he didn't think it's funny, then fine. Block me. But like, that's where it go- it's to me. It's like weird. It's like, all right, if you didn't like it, like, I feel like if you kind of just was like, hey, like, eh, I don't love this. You know what I mean? And that got back to you. You've been like, all right, cool. Like, whatever. Yeah, fine. Instead, we just won't talk about you at all. Then just go be that's fucking it. Irrelevant. Like we, we made you kind of a, some, a piece of conversation, right? Instead yeah. of just being like, hey, man, I don't really fuck with it. Just kind of leave me out of it. When you have that kind of relationship with a lot of guys in that clubhouse with some of the teammates he is close with, why not just, you know, let me instead you block me? Like, how soft is that? Yeah. And, and then you have Matt Strom go out there and fight your little fucking battles for you. That that's when it's like, all right, dude, reel it in here. 
You know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to go that far. It, it was clearly a joke. And if you want to be mad at anyone, listen to the fucking podcast. The shit I said about you, uh, I like you should block me and I'm not even blocked. <laughs> I said all those awful things and I'm unblocked. And now that's because I'm probably irrelevant compared to you on Twitter. But I mean, you have a very big active following on social media with Red Sox fans like I I don't know I again it was not even I didn't even I wasn't even going to bring it up I wasn't even going to talk about it until Steve called like I was not planning on even talking about it because I feel like there are probably a lot of people that listen to baseball as dead and name redacted that are probably like again you're talking about it again like what I don't what the fuck did, I didn't want to talk about it at all I didn't even want it to happen like th- put, put yourself in my shoes you think I want to you think I want to be beefing with Caleb Bort? no no, and that's where it comes from. It's like with the way you go about this stuff and the nicknames and all this different stuff, it never comes from a bad place unless you're Pablo Sandoval or you're a rat. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's really what it is. If you're not in one of those categories, it all means well, like, dude, Caleb Ort, you might have got a fun interview at some point. Might have had a little, you know, could have came on and kind of worn it as like a little, you know, what do you call it? A patch, a badge, whatever, yeah, badge whatever yeah. goes on your sleeve. Well, there's that one time, remember me and Jake, we were at Fenway and it was when I came back and told you, I was like, hey, Tyler, by the way, I saw Caleb Ort was really buddy buddy with Josh Winkowski is because I saw him in the dugout and I told Jake, I was like, yeah, when he's done with his stuff, like maybe we should go up and like ask him for an interview. I didn't go up and talk to him, but I think my, I, what I finally landed on was like, I want it. I wanted the separation. Like I didn't because people were like, why are you fucking why are you blowing this guy? Like, is your buddy? Like, you, you just like want to get him on your podcast? You just want to be buddy, buddy with the player? I'm like, the funny thing is, I don't know him at all. I've never met him. <laughs> like, there is no motivation. Like, with, with Bobby Dahlbeck, yes. There is that's your definitely, guy. that's my guy. There is definitely personal bias there. Yeah, will, he's awful will, at baseball. I will toot his horn until the day that I die. Love Bobby Dahlbeck, always will. Don't care if he never gets a hit for the rest of his career. I always support Bobby Dahlbeck. Caleb Ort can get fucked. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, that was, uh, I was trying to, to give any reason at all to get behind this guy. And he was like, you know what? I prefer when people fucking hate me. So just do that. He doesn't want fans. Caleb Ort wants to be booed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's your choice, dude. Suck on it. And that's all I got to say. Wait. That's all I got to say about that. Oh, wait, no, that's not what that means in Spanish. Keep moving. You're going to try and say suck on it in Spanish? No, I, I, I've been working the Google Translate to learn some new phrases uh, recently. Similar to your, your little school strategy you got going on. You got anything you can say to me? Why You have a check from that app, Jared? Do I have a check from the app? Did they give you a check? You weren't going to say a last episode for that reason. Oh, I thought you meant like a verification badge. I was like, I'm no, no, no. The bag. Um, you're right. Bleep that out, Jake. <laughs> there it wasn't that wasn't there a sponsor it it wasn't the the app that i just said wasn't there like a uh like a foreign language app that advertised with us before yeah it was oh i can bleep that too though jesus <laughs> what have you learned i told you i'm once i like it's once been I feel four days I know that's not a long time. You can't give me a sentence. Uh, lo siento, lo siento. Okay, not bad. That's pretty good. Por favor. Nice. Let's see. see. I know El Taxi. 
uh, La Mujer. Okay. Un hombre. That's the man. El Nino. That's the boy. All right. La, la Nina. That's the girl. Isn't that, isn't that uncle? No. No? No. People were judging my Spanish ability all over the subreddit this week. Well, you're an idiot. Got a lot of Spanish in my uh, in my schooling career. I'm getting a lot of tweets in Spanish, and I, I can like read them now, which is nice. Yeah, Google Translate. Like, there's a little translate button. No, actually. uh, So the guy, one of the guys that's doing work on my house, uh, he, so he just has a guy for everything. I'm like, hey, I need this done. He's like, oh yeah, I know this guy, and he'll call him up and he'll put him on speakerphone, and he'll be talking to him, and uh, like both are talking in Spanish, and then I'll I'll like jump in the conversation. I'll be like, well. Like, no, 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 like the glass show, like we need to put that in on Wednesday, not Tuesday. And he's like, how the fuck did you know that we were talking about? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's helping. I'm, I'm getting there. Amo yeah. a Rafael Devers. No. You don't know what that means? You said your name is Rafael Devers. Wrong. What did you say? Say it again. Amo a Rafael Devers. What does that mean? I love Rafael Devers. That's like, isn't that Te Amo? Eres una idiota, Jared. He said something is. Don't worry. Joder, <laughs> Caleb Ort. You can't, you can't trust Google Translate. It's not perfect. Oh, so I actually tried that in school when I was in high school. As, as a Spanish-speaking bilingual American... Google Translate's not perfect. It's one of the worst feelings. I, I, my freshman year, I had to write an essay and I was running out of time. So I just typed it all in English. Now, this is circa 2016. It's a much different world. Um, yeah. Or 2012, excuse me. And I passed my paper in and I thought I aced it. I was mm-hmm. cocky. I was kind of telling my buddies, I was like, I figured out the code. I was like, why do you even have to learn any of this? I could just type it all into Google Translate and I'll get an A in this class. The surprise on my face. Donde esta uh, uh, tu pan? Where is what? what Where's your Where's your bread? (laughs) Uh, Las papas fritas. Uh, What's that? French fries. Oh, okay. Wait, uh, la hamburguesa. Is that a hamburger, I, I bet? Yes, that's called a cognate. <laughs> Not to get all technical on you. I want to lead the Rafael Devers interview in Spanish. Please don't. And, and then I, talk to us again. No, no, no. And then I'll, I'll pass it where you can handle it, where, where you're able to step in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, me and Rafi can go back and forth and then let you in. I have a feeling that I will be speaking more fluent Spanish than you by the All-Star break. Entra otra vez. Yeah, see, Google Translate is just not it. Like, you're going to end up offending. I probably have said some awful things in the last couple minutes. Yeah, like you're going to get like, there are definitely listeners of this podcast that either speak Spanish as their first language or their second language that are going to be like, you know what? Tyler's canceled. Por favor, perdoname. Uh, Please excuse me. Please forgive me. Well, pardon is pardon. It's not that simple. 
It is that simple. It is not that simple. Yeah. Anyways, uh, do you want to talk about Tristan Casas? Yeah, I, I think uh, Casas is in a weird spot right now. Got off to a hot start this month. It's kind of cooled since then. Um, had a hit in the second game, right? One of the few hits they actually did have, but seventh maybe. It, it's yeah, they're in, they're, he needs to start to get it going. But I think at the same time, the Red Sox are in a spot here where when they said, sorry, Eric Cosmer, go kick rocks like over the offseason. That's the right move. Got DFA again for all those people that sobbed about that over the offseason. Oh, how can you let Jake Room go? Look at how good he is in spring training. He blows. Spare me. Um, go look up the numbers if you'd like. I, I think what costs where you run into this difficult conversation is. You know, if you were to demote him, you start to get into that weird territory with those prospects when you send a top prospect back down in. Is it going to make that much of a difference for the 2023 Red Sox who, you know, I still consider an outside shot at a playoff chance like I have them at 85 wins. I don't think that gets you in the playoffs in the American League this year. Is it worth, you know, possibly damaging his development and sending him down for that? Uh, I say no. Um, cause obviously, well, the argument Maz brought was like, well, if he is as good as everyone thinks he is, shouldn't he be able to hit himself back up? Yes. But also if you option him, it's kind of like a corresponding move for Duvall, right? Like it's, you put Turner, a guy who's not going to be here after this year. Yeah, but it's more just both of them, right? Like, you know, Duvall is not a, someone that factors into your future plans. Neither is Justin Turner. Um, but it's more just like a roster flexibility, make the pieces fit type move. It's not like a forever thing. And I'm not advocating for it either. Like, I think Casas will figure it out. But I think people are getting impatient for sure. And Like, I, I can understand it. I, I know some people like... Swinging at a lot of balls in the zone. Now he's been a little more aggressive. You see he's tinkering. It's constant tinkering. It's just, how long is that leash? I I think it's pretty long here. But the Red Sox are going to get forced into a tough spot. I think if you ask them today, they don't have an answer for you. I think it's pretty similar. Like They weren't going to make a decision on Corey Kluber. They waited to make sure Tanner Houck was healthy after his last start. They were going to wait until they basically had their hands forced in some way. Um, And I think they're looking at it and saying, well, there's two more weeks. In two weeks, lots of Jaron Duran hits 150 over the next two weeks. And then, like, you kind of look at it and say, all right, well, he had a hot month, and then he kind of turned back into what Jaron Duran's problem has been. Well, as if an not injury that, happens or someone goes down. Not that this matters at all, but uh, I know that people have been keeping an eye on it. Um, Justin Turner is hitting 263 with a 761 OPS after going over 3 tonight with a couple walks. Uh, Julio has been hot. Yeah, he's been in some homers. Yeah, I think he hit three in that series against the Braves. Doesn't matter, like, but I know that people will bring it up. Yeah, I, and I can understand it. I, I think where they are, I think we all see that Justin Turner made more sense for where this team was at, just in terms 100%. of what they needed in the clubhouse and playing that defensive versatility. And, you yeah. know, JD's also had an IL stint this year that Justin uh, Turner has not. Um, he like you said, he's played every single game for the Red Sox up until this mm-hmm. point. Um, I don't have regrets. I know that people were like chirping me over the weekend being like, oh, you could have had JD. Like, why didn't they bring back JD? And I'm like, I mean, it just made sense to like if they were really trying to 
change the clubhouse culture. You bring in a guy like a leader, like you heard Kike talk about how JT, it's like that was his team in LA. Duran. Yeah, like it, it, and being able to play third base, second base, and first base. Like that's your difference. It's like you 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 probably looked at it, forecasted it out for the year, being like, Yeah, the offense is gonna be a wash, but this guy can play three defensive positions and he's gonna he's gonna, you know, be a guy in the clubhouse that is a net positive. So whatever. I don't I I don't wanna fucking spend the rest of the season comparing the two. Like that's annoying. No. I, but I, back to the roster conversation. I think ultimately where the Red Sox are and some of this stuff, we'll figure it out. They're going to have to make some hard decisions across the board here. You have Christian Arroyo and you change in a constant state of hard decision making. Yeah. Because you have good depth, but a lot of the depth within itself is in redundant. Yeah. It's redundant and it's not game changing. Like really the only game changer is Trevor story. I like Adam Duvall. I think he's really good. But what version of Adam Duvall coming off wrist surgery are you going to get? Right. Mm -hmm. And we know, say what you will, he has shortcomings in center field when Duran has been excellent defensively in center field so far this year. What's the odds above average? I think it's like 84th percentile and his outfield jump is 100th percentile. 100. Like we're talking the best outfield jumps in baseball. There was a great uh, column, I believe, in the Globe this week detailing the work he's kind of put in there since last year. So mm. I, I really like Duran in center field. I think he plays a solid, solid center field at this point. Um, but I, I think the Red Sox, they don't know. But, you know, Yu Chang's going to start a rehab assignment this weekend. So is Christian Arroyo, right? Those pieces are going to come and go. What's going to happen when, you know, stories eventually kicking? What are you going to do with Emmanuel Valdez? Like, there, there's so many little like pieces and things that you kind of got to figure out here, who's going to play where, what days it's not going to be easy. And they're going to similar to this Kluber situation and even still kicking the can down the road by not DFAing him or kind of having to hold on. Cause you're worried about depth. Eventually you're not going to be able to do that anymore. I think the Red Sox are just scared of guys going down again and them ending up in a situation like they were in a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it is, uh, not something that I'm I'm worried about or sweating out because it just seems like every time that they are faced with a we need to move this piece around, the decision gets made for them. Uh, more often than not, now not every time. Like there have been some situations where they had to make a legit move, like the Pavetta to the bullpen thing. Um, but yeah, Arroyo, Chang, Story. Is there an update on Story? No, nothing is still the same. He's been working out, doing all his baseball activities. I think really it's just those two. And both Arroyo and Chang were supposed to go in the middle of this week, and they had some soreness. Uh, Wyatt Mills had some soreness as well, I believe. Uh, but he's also getting closer to coming back. So that's another reliever. Do they say, Kluber, go kick fucking rocks? Like, we like Wyatt Mills. This is the guy we traded for, who's kind of like Schreiber Light. Had a pretty decent spring training before this injury popped up as well. Mm. Well, baseball season's rolling. It's the best time of the year, and there are games all day, every day. And I'm one on watching all these games and recording all these podcasts every week. It can be tough to get a handle on it all, but thanks to the Xfinity 10G network, I can stay on top of everything. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra-low lag, so you and everyone you know can stream every single game at the same time and never miss a pitch. And if you're on the go, Xfinity has your back with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Um, 
we gave the people more than I thought we would. Like we're already an hour in. We we can do stop and chop, right? Yeah. The one I have one thing I did want to kind of ask you about, or two okay. things. Uh, first off, thoughts on Kenley tonight? Um, there was just that one walk where it looked like he was aiming a little bit. He was yanking some uh some cotters into a lefty, right? Uh, but other than that, fine. Uh, I, I like that. That outing, unless it was like a meltdown, was not going to tell me much, right? Like it's Kenley Jansen, lifelong closer, and you can't replicate the situation that he needs to thrive in in a 7-2 ball game at the time, pitching in the eighth inning. Um, So it's like, yeah, it's nice. He got the pop out to end it, uh, you know, immediately after after giving up the walk on, I think it was a 3-1 count. but yeah, I, they, I don't take much from that other than like it wasn't a meltdown. All right, cool. But I, I, I'm not gonna feel like okay, he corrected some things and he, he's back. He's back to being Kenley until it's a safe situation and we see what we saw in up until this the 400 save, pretty much. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you. Nice to just see him get through an inning without any you know significant problems, but. The velo, I, I see a lot of people freaking out about that. I think that's just what you should expect him to sit at moving forward. Going to be like 93, 94, 95, what Kenley Jansen's yeah. been the last couple of years. Um, yeah. Like, well, and maybe in a big moment, it spikes. He gets to 96, 97. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't, like, he's not a blow you away guy. It's a, he's a, he throws cutters. Like, it's about the movement and the location. It's not, he's not a gas you up guy. Yeah. It was crazy to see him throw 99 in Atlanta. But that's not who he is, and that's not who he needs to be to get outs. So I, I'm not, I'm not radar gun watching with Kenley unless it was like ninety ninety one. Then I'm like, fuck, like that. Like you don't want the guy to be hurt, but he doesn't need ninety seven plus to be effective. And the other thing, the Shohei kind of videos going around. We get the Yoshida mm-hmm. ones, whatever. What the Cora one make you feel? Mm-hmm. Just I mean, it seems like Shohei Otani has a lot of respect for Alex Cora. He took his hat off sign of respect Japanese culture um, seemed really excited to talk and they Cora had that like, smile on his face too yeah well he Cora's a baseball rat he loves like, baseball he, yeah like imagine being a diehard baseball guy and you're just out there chopping it up with Shohei Otani like that's got to be a thrill for him too even though he he plays it cool no matter what the situation is but uh, that must have been cool for Cora and then you have Shohei Otani, who he he loves his Masataki Yoshida. I'll tell you that right now. He hiked his pants up to his nipples, which I don't listen. I don't want to take credit for this, but I didn't, see, I didn't see anyone else talking about Yoshida's pants being up to his nipples until we started talking about it. Do you think Shohei listens to Name Redacted? A hundred percent. I think he I, listens to every episode. Well, I think that's one of the reasons he was so excited to meet AC. He's like, this guy's on the <laughs> fucking panel every week. Yeah, so this guy votes for the fucking ketchup. That's probably <laughs> what they were talking about in the outfield. And I think he's, you know, saying maybe some votes he agreed with us a little bit more. Some votes he yeah. kind of agreed with Alex. Yeah, um, John Boy John Boy was working on a video where he was uh, doing like a lip reading video of Shohei talking to Cora. And Shohei daps up Cora and then brings him in for like a hug. And he just puts his arm around and like you could see him in his ear. He was like, I can't wait to drizzle that. Gotcha. <laughs> I 
And then he let I him think, go and he walked away. I think that's what Otani's kind of talking about. Like, you know, everyone wants to say, well, he wants to be on the West Coast and the Dodgers tanked or not tanked, but stayed under the taxes here so they could pay him. I think Otani's sitting there and saying, dude, can you imagine what it's like to get that fucking ketchup poured all over you drizzle from head mm-hmm. to fucking toe? Mm-hmm. I think Shohei wants in and uh, I don't know. I, I That gave me some life because I do think there's a less than 0% chance that Otani could come here still. You said less than 0% chance? Is it more? How does that work? Oh my. I don't, dude. This is the percentile thing all over again. We're moving forward. Jake. <laughs> Cut that out. This dude. This dude just went on a whole ass rant about how he was pumped about Shohei <laughs> coming to Boston. He said, man, I'm so excited. He's got less than 0% Fuck chance you. of coming here. Fuck you. I am tired as shit. I am tired <laughs> as fuck. How and the Red Sox be... just made me sit through that fucking game and oh, absolutely look fucking lifeless. And you're treating me like this. Fuck you. Jake, you... fuck you as well. No, no. You suck on it. No, he's tired, AC. Don't don't say mean thing. Hey, we don't need fucking Stromboli coming in here. I'm pouting. Upset. I'm pouting. You right are now. pouting. Uh, you know who pouting. pouted a little bit? And I want to give credit to AC. Brian Bayo pouted a little bit. To start that in game, the first inning, yeah, he came out there and and got him correct. Right it, dude, Cora came. I was like, "Fix that shit! You better <laughs> not hang your head like that anymore, bro." Yeah. Um, it kind of was, was it like over a, a missed right call. Uh no, it was covering first, and Otani like tied him at the bag and was safe. Um, uh, and Bayo kind of like, he, like threw his head up. You could tell he was pissed. And Cora's like, "We're not doing this. Like, you were gonna <laughs> fix your yeah. fucking attitude out here." Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me, it was like a reverse Eddie a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, that's not how we act. Like, you need to kind of be a different guy for everyone else out there on the field. Yeah. I and then Bayo goes and shoves for fucking seven innings. Yeah. Core is the best. Like, you're just not going to get another manager that does that. Like, hey, time. I got to fucking reprimand my rookie pitcher like he's a child out here. But he sets them straight. They buy into it. They're like, oh, shit. He's not like a drill sergeant. No, no, he, no. He's, but he's got that authority figure where he demonstrates how much he knows, how much he sees. I think that they respect that he sees so much and that he knows he pays attention to every little detail. So when he does pick up on these things, it's like, oh, fuck, you saw that? Okay. All right. Fine. Like, I got to act accordingly. And, and they fall in line. How many managers are going to go out there and kind of put some emphasis on body language and how you're kind of conducting yourself a little bit? Most managers aren't in the go first out there inning in the co- first inning, or they would just send the pitching coach and be like, pass it along. No core is like, I'm going straight fucking out there. Like mm-hmm. I'm walking right up to you and he's talking right into Bayo's chest, not in a disrespectful yeah. way, but like, this is what it is. Clean it up. Yeah. Bayo got Gus Fring. He didn't, he didn't get Mike on that one. He straight up got Gus Fring, figure it the fuck out. And he did. And he did. Did you even get that reference? No, I don't watch wrestling. What? 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 Tyler, come on, man. Gus Spring? Hold on. I don't even. Don't even. I can't with you anymore. I don't. Oh, this is a guy. Oh, in Breaking Bad. 
I know the guy, uh, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle is in that show. The guy from Mal, you know Malcolm in the Middle, but you don't know Breaking Bad. Who doesn't know Malcolm in the Middle? It's one Malcolm- of the greatest sitcoms in television history. Breaking Bad came out after Malcolm in the Middle, so it's not like a oh, I'm fucking Tyler. I'm too young and stupid to watch Breaking Bad. Malcolm in the Middle came out before that. So what's your excuse for not watching Breaking Bad? Malcolm in the Middle is easy to digest. It's simple. It's relatable. I I don't know. Breaking Bad is literally the best television show to ever exist. It's like the Sopranos and Breaking Bad. And like, if you're into that stupid ass shit, Game of Thrones, it's like in that pantheon. I'm not going to disrespect the Game of Thrones people. I was a walking dead guy on AMC. So I was was too. I fell off. Yeah, after they, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but when Rick yeah. was, you know, the whole helicopter thing, that was mm-hmm. when I was out. Yeah, I just, I can try Breaking show, Bad, dude. So, you know what you should do? Actually, you know what? Don't do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You shouldn't do it because you've never seen it. But uh, Samir, who works uh, at DraftKings, um, Great he guy. can speak Spanish. And he said, I was like, besides using this app that we can't talk about because they don't pay us, um, what other ways can you learn Spanish? And he said, what's your favorite TV show? I said, Breaking Bad. I said, how many times have you seen it? I said, seven. And he said, perfect. So watch Breaking Bad with the Spanish dub over and then use the English subtitles. And then you'll pick up on the words that way wow i i feel like i've heard that before like a lot of people learning english will watch like american sitcoms typically i've had people tell me that they learned english by listening to section 10 wow that's actually kind of wild i'm sorry for anyone who's listened to me talk i I don't speak well no one has learned the english language because of you nobody why would you why do you have to say things like that well because it's true suck on it thank you alex Watch Malcolm in the Middle, people. No, watch Breaking Bad. That's your homework. Maybe save it for the off season because, like, I can't, I can't watch. Like, you need to like lock in. And I know that you're a 162 guy. That's going to be your off season homework assignment is to watch Breaking Bad. I can do it. Will right. it make me cry? Um, no, no. It'll change your life, though. Okay, I, I'm. I like those kind of shows. Make me rethink things. Yeah. It'll definitely like you'll watch it and be like, you'll feel so fulfilled. You'll be like, that was a life experience that I just had. Like, it's almost like uh, maybe you will be sad when it's over because, like, when the show ends, it's just so no loose ends. It's just very, it's done, conclusive. Like, there's no open endings. So you just, you're like, wow, it's over. Like, what is my life? I just spent the last two months watching the show welcoming all these characters into my life and now it's just over and then you'll be sad that and the sopranos are on my list yeah you gotta watch the sopranos the stop and shop look ahead brought to you by stop and shop it's fucking two o'clock in the morning on wednesday kill technically me thursday morning spare me uh head on down to stop and shop use the promo code section 10 to get 10 cents off your tangerines when you buy five pounds or more uh, of tangerines only at Stop and Shop using the promo code Section 10. Again, that promo code is uh, only available in store. This name does not make sense. 
Chris Sale versus Brandon. What's this guy's name? One more time. Brandon. No, you know, you know what it is. Don't do that. Brandon fat. Is this fat? (laughs) Now you're just being mean. What's his name? No, it's base. It's Brandon fat. It is fat. Yes, it's fat. It's Brandon fat. No, like Brandon (laughs) fought like. Like Brandon fought, like, fart? No, like fought you. Like I fought Brandon you. fought. Fuck you. There you go. <laughs> That's his name? Yeah, like fought. Brandon fought. <laughs> why, why you gotta say when you say it, it doesn't sound right. There's two A's, right? I'm yes. so tired. It looks it's like P-F-A-A-D-T. there's almost three. A-A-D-T. Brandon fought. Brandon fought. <laughs> <laughs> Very good young that, pitcher. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> he's gonna fucking no hit the Red Sox. Shut the fuck up. Stop he's gonna it. end up he's gonna end up tweeting me being like, Can you act professional? Stop being a scumbag. But I'm not. I'm a good guy. Jake, am I a good guy? Great guy. Thanks. Definitely not a scumbag. Definitely but, not a scumbag. <laughs> nice guy. Brandon Fine. <laughs> Shut up. What's his name, dude. <laughs> Brandon Fine. Whose voice is that? Uh, what is that thing from uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. What is that? What is, what is his name? Gollum. Yeah, I know that shit. Brandon <laughs> Versus Chris Sale. Garrett Whitlock versus Merrill Kelly. The battle begins. And then Tanner Houck versus Tommy Henry. Uh, okay. Would you call him a good, a good young pitcher? Extremely good. One of the best young arms Brandon in the game. Brandon Fott. <laughs> He's 0-1 with a 765 ERA and a 155 whip with a 6.3 strikeouts per nine. This guy sucks. I'm sorry, Matt Strom. This guy sucks. Those are bad numbers. What are you he, talking about? He's Tom? young. He, he's coming together. He just all got right, promoted. Just because you're, all right, Matt Strom. Just because he's young doesn't mean he's good. Those are bad numbers. Well, unlike Caleb Bort, this guy actually has a chance at having a career in the big leagues for a long time. Brandon Fart. <laughs> Fart, Brandon. I am Brandon Fart. <laughs> oh. God. Andrew Painter is not going to like this one. Who? He's the Phillies pitcher. Oh, paint man. Big paint. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, 20 innings, 23 hits, 17 earned runs, seven home runs, eight walks. I'm sorry. Did you say he was good, Tyler? (laughs) do you, do you need do you need the context of how good he is? Uh, I do you want to read that again? Hold on, let me read this one one more time. One more time. I'm just gonna run this back. Twenty innings, twenty three hits, seventeen earned runs, seven home runs, and eight walks for Brandon Fat. <laughs> he was a top thirty prospect entering the year on Baseball America. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that doesn't mean that you're good, though, unfortunately. He's been bad. 
adjusting. He's adjusting. What is he, your cousin? None of your fucking business, if he is. Okay. He made it to four, the big leagues, Jared. Four of the seven home runs that he allowed was in his first career MLB start, so we can maybe give him a pass there. Uh, his last two starts, 10 and a third innings, seven hits, four earned runs, five walks. Uh, that's a 348 ERA, uh, 444 FIP, one home run. Okay, still not super great, but not as bad as maybe it looks on the surface. Uh, he has multiple walks in three out of four starts. He's allowed six plus hits in three out of his four starts. Um, none of this is really that good, Tyler. Uh, he's mostly a four seam guy. Throws about 94, call it 56% usage. Opponents hitting 347 with a 653 slug. That's bad, Tyler. Uh, he's allowed two plus home runs on his three highest used pitches, which would be the four seam, the sweeper, and the change. Uh, the D-backs, by the way, three and one in his starts. Pretty good. He's obviously never faced anybody on the Red Sox. That is uh, Brandon Brin Fart. Merrill Kelly, five and three, a 298 ERA, a 108 whip, and a 9.3 strikeouts per nine. Through 10 starts, Kelly is off to a career year. So good for him. Career best ERA, whip, home runs per nine, strikeouts per nine, and hits per nine. Uh, he's struggling with walks a little bit. Career worst, 3.6 uh, walks per nine. Uh, first five starts of the year, he walked four batters, four batters, four batters, zero batters, and then five batters. That's bad. Uh, since then, five starts, one walk, one walk, one walk, one walk, two walks. Okay, so we're improving. That's good. He's pitched into the sixth inning in eight out of his 10 starts. He has completed seven innings twice. Uh, has not faced a good team in the month of May. Four starts, and he's faced Pittsburgh, Oakland, Miami, and the Nats. Um, He's got a good changeup. Opponents hitting 125 with a 179 slug against the changeup. D backs are six and four when he starts, and they've won his last two. Red Sox hitters, 333 with an 866 OPS. Justin Turner, uh, nine for 23 with a couple doubles, 853 OPS. Uh, Tommy Henry, two and one with a 468 ERA, a 141 whip, and a five strikeouts per nine. That's bad. Uh, he's made 15 career starts, and he's allowed 16 home runs. That's bad. Uh, this includes six home runs and six starts this year. He's a soft throwing lefty. And uh, so I'm going to say expect to see Rob Ref Snyder in that game on Sunday. Um, four seam is fucking horrendous. 378 batting average, 778 slug, 526 weighted on base, nine extra base hits, including four home runs allowed on his four seam. Uh, he's allowed two home runs in each of his last two starts and five in his last three. That's bad. He's walked at least two batters in five of six starts. That's bad. Uh, his 594 FIP, that's bad. Uh, he gets hitters to chase. That's good. 89th percentile and is 81st in average exit velocity. Uh, D-backs are four and two when he starts. He's also never faced anybody on the Red Sox. Chris Sale! I don't care about what the season numbers are. His last four starts, three and one with a 230 ERA, 27 and a third innings pitch, 16 hits, seven earned runs, three walks to 32 strikeouts, a 302 FIP um, opponents with a 528 OPS. The 32 to three strikeouts to walks ratio, obviously the most important stat when you talk about Chris Sale, that's like his bread and butter. Sale has nine walks in his first four starts and only four in his last five starts. So there's improvements. Sale has, uh, here's the breakdown of his last three starts for strikeouts, 10, 9, and 8. His FIP is 401 because the two home runs allowed in his last start. The two home runs accounted for uh, the only runs that he did allow. 
He's completed six innings and five out of his last six starts. His chase rate now is all the way up to the 90th percentile. And uh, I know Tyler tried to explain percentiles a couple episodes ago. Really, all percentile means is that you're that much better than the rest of the league. His chase rate is all the way up to the 90th percentile. He's better than 90% of the league in chase rate. There it is. Very simple. Red Sox are 6-3 and three when he starts. The D-backs hitters, 161 with a 417 OPS. Uh, Evan Longoria. I can't even imagine how old these numbers are. 6 for 38 <laughs> with a double and a 364 OPS. 15, holy shit. 6 for 38 with 15 strikeouts, a 364 OPS against Chris Sale. Garrett Whitlock's back. Uh, Starter he, Whitlock. Yeah, Starter Woo! Whitlock is back. Um, he's only made three starts this year. His last start came on April 22nd. Um, there are some rumors, Tyler, that he has retooled his changeup. Yes, the Cora was very heavily saying it resembles more of the 2021 form now mm-hmm. than what it looked like, which I... Not to, you know, to our horn. I felt like that was something me and you were saying very heavily that like the changeup was too hard. Like it felt like with his velocity coming down a bit as he's got stretched out, the changeup didn't really make as much sense as it once did when he was upper 90s. Yes, yes. It was more like the fastball wasn't as hard. So there was like not enough discrepancy between the fastball and the changeup. So now it's like take a little bit off the change up so it matches your yep. lower fastball velocity. Yep. Yep. So I'm excited to see that. Red Sox are one and two when he starts. D-backs hitters are three for six. Um, that's a small sample, so who fucking cares? Tanner Houck, three and three, 499 ERA, 125 whip, 8.5 strikeouts per nine. The 383 FIP is pretty much what it feels like. It's not the 499 ERA. It's the 383 FIP. That feels more true to who Tanner Houck has been this year. In nine starts this year, he's only allowed more than three earned runs twice. Pretty good. He has uh, limited the home runs after allowing two on his season debut. He's only allowed three in his eight starts since. (coughs) We talked earlier about the cutter. Some numbers there. Uh, 20% usage, opponents hitting 179 with a 256 slug against it with a 22% whiff rate. Uh, the Red Sox are 5-4 and four when he starts, have somehow lost three straight despite him being really good. Um, he's only faced Guriel in this lineup, who is 0-4 with a strikeout. Okay, uh, just to recap, Chris Sale versus Brandon Fott. Garrett Whitlock versus Merrill Kelly and Tanner Houck versus Tommy Henry. Um, okay, prediction time. I am going to kick it off with Jake. I'm going with the sweep this weekend. You got a sweep this weekend? Yep. Okay. You, you get the bats coming alive or just good pitching performances or what do we got? I just feel like the D-backs are begging to get swept. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. I could, yeah, no, I could see that. Um, Chris Sale versus uh, Brandon Farts. That's a win. Garrett Whitlock versus Merrill Kelly. Uh, that feels like it could be a, a, an L. I'll be honest. That one's at 715 on Fox. 
So you have Saturday night plans. Now you don't. You're watching the Sox, kid. Whitcock. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel it. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to go win, loss, win. I got two out of three. Win, loss, win. Tyler? Yeah, I don't hate it. I really like the, the series finale. Nice matchup for Tanner Houck. And I think getting the starter role, you know, you kind of ride. Chris Sale against a really young pitcher the first game. I'm not allowed to pick sweeps anymore because uh, people are blaming me for this. No, no, I saw that. People defended you. They said you picked a sweep and uh, they took two out of three. Or something oh, like wow. That. Thank you for whoever did yeah, stick people up defended for you. Yeah, they, yeah. They were blaming Caleb Ort. They said they haven't won a game since Caleb Ort blocked me. Which Great take. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to ride with you. I think me and you are on the same page here. And I'm going to go two out of three. I do think they lose the Whitlock start. I don't think it's a bad day for Whitlock, but Merrill Kelly is really good. I don't think the bats have a great, like, super in t- insane series. I think they do enough. I still think it's going to be the rotation kind of leading the way here. Okay. All right. Um, Jake's got a sweep. Me and Tyler got two out of three. Win, loss, win. I'm hoping for the sweep, but please. I don't, I don't even say that I don't have confidence in Whitlock. It's just there's always something fucky and he's coming back and I don't know. I got to see it. I don't and he's not going to be going 100 pitches. I think he hit 79 in his last rehab start. Yeah. And the bullpen, the bullpen in this series against the Angels was not good. The bullpen was obviously worse than the rotation was. So uh, bullpen's got to get it back on track. Uh, let's see what Whitlock looks like on Saturday. Um, any final thoughts, Tyler? I'll be at the Celtics game tomorrow. You see me say oh, what's yeah. up. Yeah. Tyler Willikin. Throw it up. Throw it up. Tyler Willikin. Jake, thank Tyler you. Willikin, let's go. I'll be out there uh, balling. <clears throat> yeah. Draining threes. Yeah. Season seven, right, Jake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love uh, it. Jake's takes. I still just can't believe Tyler described Breaking Bad as uh, the show with the guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, that was tough. It's a great I mean, show. He thought, he thought that Gus Fring was like challenging Roman Reigns for the uh, <laughs> Universal Championship on Saturday. I, you don't usually know anything. It's either baseball or wrestling. And I don't speak and wrestling. Bad. And, breaking and Breaking Bad. And Titan and whatever that oh, is called. Titanic. I know way more than you do. I know Spanish. I know more Spanish than you. No, you I, I know things you don't you literally know. Literally just sit there and use Google Translate. And you're like, oh, I know that word. I'm just going to look it up right now. Because I don't pretend to have a full, you know, okay. the Spanish language is so Very vast good. and expansive that I don't, you know, I don't want to do any disrespect Beautiful language. by it. Yeah, it's a love language. It is a love language. Isn't that French? That too. Okay. I love languages. You love love languages. I love languages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like. You're like the Xander Bogarts of podcasting. You just it, exactly, you like yeah. Spanish episode coming soon. Okay, be on the lookout for that. Uh, enjoy the off day. What are you gonna do with your off day? You're going to Celtics, Jake. Are you gonna go to the Celtics? I'm probably just gonna watch it. Yeah, I'll probably watch it too. I'll check it out. Uh, it is now two o four a.m. Uh, we're gonna go to bed and uh, enjoy the off day. And uh, we'll see you on Sunday to react to the Red Sox versus D-Back series. Back on the horse. Sox getting back on track in the desert for coming back home after a long West Coast trip. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye. Buenas noches, amigos.